Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Stocks have seen a robust rally on Wall Street as we approach the end of the year. There's been a little give back this week, but it's nothing compared to the solid gains added last month. The big question, where do we go from here? I'm Andy Gersher. And this is Gaines. All right, let's bring on Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. Jim, always great to have you on the Gaines podcast. Always uh, great to join you, Andy. Thanks for having me on. We often bring you on the show to take a more technical look at stocks. And that's where I want to start today. We've really saw this monster rally in November. And as mentioned in the lead, I mean, it's been a little softer this week, but I mean, those big gains were put in place. So just kind of start there. Where have we been? Where are we going? What's the technical read? Well, as you know, Andy, in late October, I thought the uh, S&P was likely making a bottom when it dropped below 41.50. Uh, the market was oversold. Sentiment was incredibly negative. Uh, as you recall, I'm sure, uh, the 10-year Treasury yield was pushing up against 5%. People were talking about, oh, my goodness, it's going to 55 6%. 6%. So the conditions were ripe, I felt, for Treasury yields to come down. And I recommended Treasury bonds back in late October, uh, specifically TLT, which is the Treasury bond ETF. Uh, and as a result, I thought with rates coming down, the stock market would have ample reason to rally. And I thought the S&P could rally above 4,500. And we're approaching, I think, a crossroads. Um, and the market is kind of going to dictate, Andy, and tell us what's coming next, whether we're just going to have a modest correction followed by another rally that potentially could take the S&P to a new all-time high or a correction that looks a little bit more ominous uh, that would suggest that this rally is pretty much done. Uh, I'm kind of on the fence right now because uh, the market is very overbought. Sentiment uh, has switched uh, really significantly. The American Association of Individual Investors, the percent of bulls, uh, rose to the highest level, I think, in a couple of years. Uh, bears have dropped. Uh, so we've seen a complete 180, Andy, and all the reasons why the market was likely to make a low, very negative sentiment, very oversold, have, those conditions have been replaced by just the opposite. So I think we're at a pause, and uh, 
Uh, you know, the, the rally in the last couple of weeks has been, I think, built on a false premise uh, regarding what the Fed will be doing early next year. But, you know, we can talk about that uh, if you would like. Well, and then you talk about some of the fundamentals beyond the charts, and the Fed is uh, clearly one of them. So let's start there. Yeah. Well, I, you know, Wall Street is, is at this stage of the game looking for the economy to avoid a recession. <clears throat> Earnings are going to be up about 11 percent next year. And on top of it, and for good measure, the Federal Reserve is going to start cutting the funds rate starting in March. And by the end of next year, uh, we'll have cut the funds rate five times. So if you uh, adhere to that narrative, you, it really doesn't get much better than that. That's like nirvana <clears throat> cubed. And that's why the market has been pushing, or, you know, I think steadily, or especially over the last week or two since the last inflation report, and um, why selling pressure has remained so muted. And that's one of the reasons why, Andy, we're not really seeing much of a pullback, because if you have that bullish of an outcome, uh, why would you want to be a seller? And, and so to me, this uh, I'm going to say fantasy, but <clears throat> this narrative, I think, can hold up until the Fed has its meeting next Wednesday, December 13th, and then Chair Powell uh, you know, does his press conference. I think he's going to push back uh, on that whole premise. A lot of traders on Wall Street think the Fed has, uh, you know, mission complete, mission accomplished here. They've even talked about lowering rates, but yeah. um, has the Fed accomplish what they were set out to do? Is there still more work? It seems like inflation is quelling some. Yeah, no question inflation is coming down. It will come down more over the next six to nine months, you know, just much more gradually than what we've seen over the last 12 months. But the thing I keep pointing to, Andy, is the overall tightness in the economy and also in the labor market. So, you know, the Fed has one more than just one variable that it looks at. So is it good that inflation has come down? Absolutely. Um, it means the Fed will have to do far less. And I think the Fed very well may be done in terms of rate increases. I think where Wall Street is wrong is assuming that the Fed will begin to cut rates uh, in March and then aggressively uh, before the end of next year. And the reason being it's twofold. <clears throat> Corporate America for, you know, in the wake of the financial crisis and up until the pandemic had virtually no pricing power. So what that meant was they companies would compete against each other based on price. If I'm trying to steal market share from you, Andy, I'm going to try to undercut your prices, which that obviously puts a lid on the, uh, you know, pricing within uh, the, uh, you know, goods and services. The pandemic came along. The government gave uh, consumers a few trillion dollars. Uh, there were supply shortages, material costs, as we saw, like energy zoom up significantly. And companies were then able to raise pricing power or raise prices without getting any blowback and resistance from consumers because consumers had the money and they were happy to spend it uh, to get what they wanted after going through a pandemic. Uh, what's happened in the last year, Andy, is we've seen supply chain pressures ease significantly. Uh, material costs, like looking at energy, have come down a lot. Uh, but yet many companies in many sectors 
still have pricing power and they're not getting pushback. So we're seeing companies continue to raise prices. And the only thing that will bring and turn that around is if we see demand weaken enough so that then companies are forced to compete based on price uh, and begin to compete with each other. And I think one variable that I'm looking at is called capital uh, capacity utilization. It just shows, you know, what amount of uh, capacity is being utilized. Last month, it was over 78%. Historically, whenever we've had a significant slowdown, it's dropped, you know, low 70s, even down to the mid 60s. I think the Fed doesn't want that outcome. But I think a decline in capacity utilization down to around 76% would give the Fed confidence that uh, once they do cut rates, and the economy enters the next expansion, uh, pricing power won't return quickly, uh, and therefore inflation will, will remain more subdued for a longer period of time. Wall Street, no one's talking about this. I think if I'm on the Fed, I'm looking at, well, what's going to happen to inflation in 2025 if we do, in fact, cut rates in 2024? That would be one of the concerns I think the Fed would have, and it's why I don't think the Fed is going to be cutting rates uh, as early as Wall Street expects and as aggressively. Uh, well, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, they just got a handle on inflation. Do you think that this rally is totally based on Wall Street actually feeling that they're going to cut rates? Um I think initially it was based on the Fed is done. Yeah, I think you know, it's I think not. I think that's where that's my read on it was yep. the Fed is done here and we're going to keep the these rates at this elevated level and the market and the businesses in America yep. can kind of work around this and I thought there was some underlying strength now there is a little concern about the actual consumer eventually running out of the money that they had built up before but um I I totally don't read this as the Fed's going to now, you know, do an about face and start cutting rates. I think some on Wall Street are. I'm wondering how many real really feel that or if it's more of, okay, we've stopped and that's good and it's a wait and see. I mean, how does that all square up with things? Uh, Because it's hard to think what other people are thinking as well. Yeah, I I just think, uh, Andy, uh, Wall Street has been myopically focused on inflation. Understandably so. Inflation is a 40-year high. Uh, it's been coming down. And so for Wall Street, it seems, their focus is only on inflation as a determinant of monetary policy. So as inflation continues to drop, gets below 3% at some point in time, both on the PCE uh, core and the CPI core, Wall Street thinks that uh, that's all the Fed needs to cut rates. And my point has been is you have to look at capacity utilization and things like pricing power. You also have to look at the unemployment rate. Yeah, the JOLT survey came out today. We're showing things easing a bit more. But if you look at over the last 20 years, it's still really high. The unemployment rate's at 3.9%. So that's the other area that I think the Fed wants to see uh, more slack develop. In other words, higher unemployment. The year-over-year increase in uh, October, based on the Atlanta Fed uh, wage tracker, 5.2%. Again, if we go back to 2010 to 2020, 
most of those years, particularly between 2010 and 2016, wages were growing at 3.5% or closer to 3 And then as the labor market tightened in 17, 2018, and 19, wage growth accelerated up to about 35 3.75%, So my point is, at 52 Wage are still growing, and they're going to come down. I mean, companies aren't going to keep giving people wage increases. So that is going to continue to unwind. It's an annual rate of change. But it isn't, um, uh, you know, agreeable, if you will, with the idea that, yeah, okay, let's cut interest rates, and the unemployment rate's only 4% or 4.1%, because the demand for labor will kick up early in the next expansion, and all of a sudden we're going to have people bidding, companies bidding again for workers, and wages are going to start to move up, which will make it more difficult. Not so much that inflation doesn't get down towards the 2.5% next year, Andy. Again, I think the Fed's focus is 2025 and beyond. Yeah, I'm there with you. I I cannot see them doing an about-face, especially we have corporate profits are holding up. Um, yes, there, yeah. there's a, a you know real tight labor market right now, but uh, I, this notion plus those are tools that that the Fed has in the toolbox, and you use them when we see a meaningful downturn. So uh, keeping rates at this level, get you know letting inflation, letting everything kind of adjust to this new norm. In interest rates, because the things that drive market are inflation, interest rates, and corporate profits. I, I kind of uh, lean to the bullish side here a bit on the fundamental side because there's a lot of good things. Well, again, in the near term, the momentum of the market uh, has been very positive and strong. And so I think the more likely outcome is we get a modest pullback and then especially if I'm right, and Powell pushes back against the idea of the Fed cutting rates early next year, and then when you get Fed governors giving speeches, because they're in the blackout period, so they, they can't give any speeches. I think after the next meeting on December 13th, I'm guessing we're going to hear a number of the Fed governors talk about, um, you know, that they're not ready yet. Uh, they think, the, and Williams actually made this comment last week, who's the New York Fed, uh, that he is in, in favor of not raising the funds rate more, but he believes it needs to stay at a restrictive level for an extended period of time. And I just think Powell is going to push back on that. If I'm right, we'll see Treasury yields tick higher. I think the market pulls back. And then I think going into next year, there's likely going to be another push higher uh, before this rally is complete. Give us levels. Um, Give so. us numbers, Jim. You, you know, we, we, we talk about well, a technical yeah. look. Give yeah. us the levels you're watching here. What, uh, you know, when you say we'll get a pullback and then go, you know, higher, maybe the yep. retest the highs, what are what are key levels in the sand you're watching? Well, one of the targets on the S&P for a pullback <clears throat> is 44.21. There's a gap there, a rather large gap. And historically, the S&P, when it creates gaps, it also fills gaps. So that's an obvious target for the S&P to pull back to before the next move higher. <clears throat> if it, that pullback, Andy, and this is going to get a little wonky, is an ABC, in other words, a down-up-down pattern, 
Yeah, and explain uh, that. that. If it, on the wonky stuff, let's explain it to the Gaines <laughs> listener. When so we don't leave anybody in the dust here. Okay. Explain what so, do you what do you what exactly do you mean by that? Okay, corrections against the primary trend are three waves. So if you're in an uptrend, a pullback will be a down, up, down uh, pullback. Um, and then you're going to rally to a higher high. Uh, trend reversals are kind of noted when the pullback isn't a down, up, down, but instead of a one, two, three, four, five. So if this pullback to 44.21 happens, and it turns out to be a five-wave decline, to me, that would be pretty bearish. I'm anticipating it to be more likely a three-wave pullback that will then be followed by another push into early next year. Because unless we get definitive data showing that the economy is slowing materially, Wall Street is going to continue to hold on to this narrative that the economy's fine, earnings are going up, and gee, the Fed, the Fed is definitely not going to raise rates. And then it's just a question of when they start cutting. I mean, they can tolerate if it, well, if not March, okay, then it for sure will be May. So I think the overall story remains intact. I think Powell will push back against it, causes a pullback, and then another leg up into early January. It's at that point in time, and, and that could entail the S&P getting above 4,800. Um, so at a minimum, it should get above 4,607, which was the high we saw in late July. So, um, But my overarching view is once this rally is complete, I think the market's going to be vulnerable to a fairly significant decline. Uh, whether it's from a new all-time high, how much or something? Well, how much room do you when you say this rally? So we got this rally. Is it already petered out now, or or is there a little no. more room? What's the level on the top side that you're kind of looking at? Well, I think near term we're near a high. Uh, I think the market can hold up between now and Fed Day next week because people have this view that uh, you know the Fed's going to be pretty compliant. I think Powell's going to push against that, so that that will cause a pullback. And then I think the market's going to rally again uh, to higher highs, whether that's just to 4,650 or 4,800. Uh, I, I don't know. It could go to 5,000. Uh, we, we, I need to see the nature of the pullback. As I said, if it's three waves down to 4,421, then I think uh, an attack on the all-time high is 4,818, 4,818 um, is – is likely. Are you yeah. optimistic on the fundamentals? We talked about the technical. Yeah. I've mentioned a couple of reasons why I just think, you know, over the next year, stocks look still very uh, attractive and, and I could totally see them re- at least retesting those highs. Do you see the same positive fundamentals that I do? Um, no. Um, I continue to believe that the economy in the first half of next year is going to slow materially with a good chance that we'll see at least one quarter of negative GDP growth. So I think this rally uh, to whatever the price level that the S&P reaches early next year will represent a fairly significant high. And then I believe the economy is going to surprise a lot of people who don't think we're going to have a recession by slowing enough to raise concerns. Well, maybe we're going to have a recession after all. So instead of earnings going up 11 percent, 
potentially, if things slow enough, earnings growth might actually be negative next year. And that's wow. What I think so that's so coming. you think on the ground, a lot of things are going to turn around and real quick. Um, as far as a, you mentioned, you know, corporate profits have held up. Yep. You think that may reverse? You think there's some fundamentals underneath here? When, what? What is the biggest? Yeah. What is driving such a um, you know a possible downturn for the economy? Okay. So if you look at Fed policy, the Federal Reserve increased the funds rate by 500 basis points. It's the largest, quickest increase in the last 40 years. Banks increased their lending standards more aggressively than at any other time in the last 40 years. So if one wants to assume that the huge increase in interest costs is not going to have any bearing uh, on economic growth. I don't agree with that view. Just that simple. So you don't think a lot of this, this newer norm has already been baked into the market some? Well, again, what we're seeing is on uh, underneath the surface, Andy, we're starting to see some fraying happening. We're seeing rising uh, delinquency rates for auto credit card uh, debt, um, uh, you know, the bank, number of bankruptcies in the first 10 months of this year uh, were higher than they were a year ago. And this is supposedly when the economy is still growing at a two, two and a half percent clip and you have a big increase in bankruptcies. So there's something underneath the surface. Corporate uh, uh, commercial real estate. Uh, I think that's going to be a real problem. Now, mo- it may not really blow up until the second half of next year, but I think that's a, a simmering problem. I see that-, that problem. I've been talking about that for years. I'm yep. staring at an empty downtown, and I've wondered, my, my question all along, and nobody ever talks about this, is who's holding the bag on all this? When is, uh, you know, the, the debt for some of these buildings no longer going to be serviced because people are just... You know why? Why rent? Why, why rent a huge office if you don't even need it? And yeah. I, I know that takes some time. So I, I agree with you there. Yeah. That's yeah. the, the big one. The occupancy rate is fifty percent. So what the trigger comes for all these buildings is when the loan comes due, and I think it's uh, I can't remember if it's why haven't we seen trend. why haven't we seen that factored in so far in the markets? That's why I keep thinking. Well, maybe this come the Jesus moment for commercial yeah. real estate is still a little farther out. You think that's coming very soon as well? I think it's coming over the next 12 months uh, to enough to become a problem uh, because we're going to see landlords walk away from buildings. Banks aren't going to renew loans. Uh, The the terms of any loans they would make are going to be pretty uh, ugly. And and so I just think commercial real estate in terms of office space and apartments is another area that is going to be, uh, you know, not as problematic, but a problem that I think by the end of next year, these problems are going to be far more pronounced uh, and they're cause some dislocations. Um, the other thing, Andy, when the economy slows, typically what happens is problems come out of the woodwork. In other words, weak hands are able to hang in there as long as the economy's chugging along because they got enough revenue coming in to kind of uh, you know, keep the boat afloat. If the economy slows materially, all of a sudden, a lot of bi- smaller businesses and consumers get pushed off the edge. If the unemployment rate rises to four and a half percent before the end of next year, we're going to see more uh, supply in terms of housing prices. 
Well, I, I kind of think that even if mortgage rates come down by the end of next year, which is very likely, at the same time, housing prices are falling and more supply shows up. I just don't think that's a real positive for consumer spending. So, um, yeah, that, yeah. That, you make an extra interesting point. We've always heard about rising tides lift all boats. Yep. And then, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, some of those hanger honors and you don't know until the tide goes out. And that's only when the tide goes out, you discover right. who's been swimming naked. And that kind of <laughs> that kind of ties to what you're saying. Hey, we're going to take a quick break here. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesday mornings. We will be right back with Jim after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Back with Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com out of San Diego. Before we get started here, talking about maybe how to play this a little bit, a couple moves. Uh, Jim, give the, the special offering for the game's listener. Well, I'm working on the December macro tides. Uh, issue uh, that'll be ready to go out early next week. And of course, I do a, a weekly technical review every Monday. So if somebody sends me an email, Jim Welsh Macro, and, and mentions the Gaines podcast, I'm more than happy to send uh, one of those two issues out so you get a better idea of the analysis uh, that I do and an overview of the over economy in the markets. And Welsh is spelled W-E-L-S-H. You got it. All right. <laughs> I like the grape juice. Like the nationality, even though I am an Irishman. Ah, there from, you go. From the south side of Chicago, I will. Yes, so. <laughs> we we often, you know, off air, we joke about yep. the Chicago connection all the time. Love yep. that Jim's from our neck of the woods. Um, so now, how do you play this all? How's this all going to square out? You, you kind of gave us a, a, some levels and what's behind uh, why you're concerned about yep. some weakness going forward. How do you play this? end of this year going into next year? 
You're right. So uh, I recommended taking some money off the table last week when the S&P was at 45.50, just because I thought the upside was somewhat limited. If the S&P correction three waves down to that 44.21 or below, that will be a buying opportunity for a trade uh, going into early next year. Uh, and uh, in terms of Treasury yields, you know, I think Treasury yields, the 10-year next year by mid next year will drop to under 350. So in the near term, I think we're going to see, as I said earlier, Powell push back against the idea that the Fed's going to be cutting rates aggressively next year. I think that causes Treasury yields to tick up a little bit. Um, and then at the same time, I'm you know kind of like the same pattern with the S&P, a three-wave pullback in Treasury bond uh, yields then provides another buying opportunity. I think TLT next year, Andy, it's trading around 94. Uh, I think potentially it trades up to the 105, 109 level uh, in the first half of next year. Again, if I'm right about the economy slowing materially, pension funds and insurance companies are going to trip over themselves wanting to lock in some high yields. In terms of gold, I think gold next year will trade above 2300 Now, near-term, yesterday's reversal, where it dropped 100 bucks between Sunday night trading and yesterday, um, raises a question as to whether or not gold might drop below 1812 before it takes off again. So, um, you know, right now, if gold drops below about 2000 Andy, that will start to increase the odds of a drop below 1812. Um, but Do you term, like, yeah, long term, I'm very, very yeah. bullish on gold because some of the things that we're talking about with debt and, and, and yep. everything involved there, and, and, and it seems like gold has really been held back for quite some time. I'm surprised it hadn't moved um, some different events that have occurred over the last three, four years, including during the pandemic and some of that yep, stuff. Yep. Gold really never performed like it had promised during some of these times. But uh, it seems like uh, that's one thing that I'm super bullish on is gold long term. It seems like you are, too. I am. Uh, I'm just trying to fine tune the near term. Um, I, again, yesterday's key reversal day. In other words, gold went to an all time high and then dropped 100 bucks. So to me, that suggests that, all right, gold may not quite be ready to really blow through uh, and get above uh, 2150 or, and really keep running. So near term, I'm just waiting for the, the, the price pattern to evolve. Um, you know, one of the reasons that really held gold back over the last few years, Andy, uh, in, in spite of the high inflation, was dollar strength. So in June of 2021, the dollar was trading around 90. I thought it would rally up to 100. Uh, it did last October. Uh, I thought the dollar was topping when it was trading up near 114. It would drop to about 105. And it, I thought that if that took place, we would see gold rally. We would also see Treasury yields come down and the stock market rally. So the dollar has been a big influence in the last two, three years on what's happening with gold. So I think at some point in time next year, the dollar is going to drop below 99 and potentially get closer to 95. 
Uh, near term, I think there's a bounce likely going into the end of the year, which is why gold might kind of stay under wraps for a while. But if I'm right about the economy weakening significantly, Andy, I think the dollar, which has benefited from both the U.S. economy performing better than a lot of the other major nations and you know the Fed's bias and raising of interest rates, I, I think if, if the economy really slows, uh, obviously at some point in time the Fed will respond by cutting rates uh, in, in the face of you know real weakness in the economy, and I think that undermines uh, the dollar. So that's one of my expectations: is that if everything falls in line regarding the economy, the dollar should have a, a period of pronounced weakness. Um, and that really will open the door for gold to really take off. And then on the international stock front, since we're talking yep. dollar weakness, what's your feeling on international stocks exposure outside domestic markets? Well, if the dollar uh, you know, has a rebound over the next handful of weeks and stays below 107.34, uh, that was the most recent high, and then begins to roll over, signaling that, yep, that decline below 100 has begun. Um, I would look at emerging market equities uh, because, and emerging market bonds because they typically do much better when the dollar's weakening. Uh, there's a lot of emerging market debt that's priced in dollars. Well, when the dollar goes up, it's more and more expensive for emerging market companies to service their debt. When the dollar comes down, it makes it much easier. Uh, if I'm right about U.S. Treasury yields coming down, we'll also see uh, bond yields around the world come down, including uh, the emerging markets. So the key to that whole trade is obviously the path of the dollar. As I said, near term, I think the dollar can tick a little bit higher into the first part of the year. Um, but ultimately, if I'm right about the economy, Andy, it's going to roll over. And when it does, that'll be the time to look at emerging market debt as well as uh, emerging market stocks. All right. We've covered a lot of ground here. What's the final takeaway? What is you know a key play for the gains listener as well? Well, again, Wall Street has staked out bets that the, the, the Fed is going to aggressively cut rates starting in March. I think that's completely uh, unlikely. So historically, when Wall Street gets surprised or has misjudged something important like their expectation for Fed policy, the market usually has a negative reaction because it's you know been looking, it's been running up in anticipation of all this good news. And if one of that is taken, one of those things are taken away, I think there's some disappointment. So that to me is the key point. The Fed is not going to cut rates five times next year if the economy doesn't go into a recession. Not going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Big thanks to Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at macrotides.com in San Diego. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We drop Gains episodes on Wednesdays. Next week, we are talking crypto and Bitcoin. We called the bottom here on the Gains podcast. We have a forecast for a, a price that's a lot higher than it is right now. And we're going to talk all about it. 
our Bitcoin and crypto call is firmly in place. And we will talk about that next week. And I will see you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 